Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. We're continuing our sermon series on what it means to be called during a time such as this. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your Spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church, and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, What does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but only those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As many of you know, our preschool has been in session for a little over a month now. Now I want to take a moment and tell all of you how proud I am of our preschool and all of the people who have worked so hard to make that possible. Of course, there were many volunteers who worked to put a plan in place, but it was really our teachers and our staff who are the real heroes who work every single day to make sure our preschool is a safe and a happy place. Some of you know I have a really warm place in my heart for our preschool because my mother was a preschool director when I was growing up, and she had wonderful spiritual gifts for working with children just like our teachers do here. And many of the children in our hometown loved my mom just the way our children here at our preschool love our current director, Allison, and and our previous director, Miss Beverly, and all of our teachers as well. But as the director, every now and then, my mom had to deal with behavior issues. When a child was misbehaving, she would come in sort of like the principal of the school and try to help out the teacher in need. One day she was walking down the hallway and she heard a a, a young child in the five-year-old class, William, was having a bad day. And so she stepped inside the, the class to try to help the teacher who had her hands full. And she walked over to William and invited William to step out into the hallway with her and have a conversation. Now, William was a pretty smart child, and he knew this invitation was uh, uh, really meant that he was in trouble. And so he looked up at my mom and said, no, Mrs. Clayton, I don't want to go out into the hallway with you. But one of the other children who was standing by heard this exchange and saw it going on, and she thought of the invitation in a different way. She thought my mom was inviting William out into the hallway to play. And so when she heard William's answer, she walked over and grabbed my mother's hand and said, Mrs. Clayton, I'll go out into the hallway with you anytime. It's funny how we hear invitations in different ways. Depending on what's going on around us or what's going on within us, we might hear an invitation and interpret it in many different ways. That happens in my own household. Julianne might get an invitation for us to come to dinner with some friends, and she hears it as a great opportunity to spend time with friends and reconnect, whereas I worry that it might mean I'm going to miss a football game or a baseball game on TV. 
Or we receive an invitation to a wedding in the mail, and she sees it as an opportunity to, to celebrate with friends and family. But I see it as a price tag, counting all the costs for all the things that it will take for us to get to the wedding, whether it's a present or a new outfit or travel or all of those things. We can receive the same invitation, but respond to it in two different ways. That's what happens in our passage this morning for the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus Christ is calling the people around Him to discipleship. But the people respond in different ways. In fact, there are two kind of main characters in this passage. One is the Pharisees, and one is the tax collectors. And both the Pharisees and the tax collectors respond to the calling of Jesus Christ, this invitation to discipleship, in very different ways. I want to start this morning with the Pharisees because I have to be honest with you, a lot of times in my life, I respond to the calling of Jesus Christ in a similar way to the Pharisees. As you know, the Pharisees were, were the people in the ancient Near East who really knew the law the best. They followed the law every single day. They, they tried their best to outdo each other in knowing the law, studying the law, and following the law. And so, Following the law of God was really a matter of self-righteousness for them. Their following Jesus and their following the law was a matter of who is better and how can I be better than my neighbor? And so when someone asks them to do something, when someone asks them to do something on behalf of God, they looked at it as an opportunity to sacrifice to sacrifice to God, to give to God something that they had, and then maybe to look down their nose around the, at the people around them who couldn't sacrifice as they did. And so along comes Jesus, and He asks them to follow Him, and they think of themselves as already doing what God wants them to do, already fulfilling the law, already doing everything that God might require. And so how could Jesus ask them to do anything more? Sometimes I feel that way when I feel like I've dedicated my whole life and given everything I had and along comes somebody in the church and, and asks me to do more. I think of that calling as not an opportunity, but as a sacrifice. Sometimes we all feel that way about our calling. It's our opportunity to fulfill an obligation, an opportunity to maybe pay God back for what God has already done, to us, done for us and, and maybe in some ways to earn a little bit of respect or earn a little bit of righteousness too. That's how the Pharisees saw this calling for God. And I dare say there are times when we see it that way as well. But then there's the tax collectors. In fact, there's one particular tax collector in this passage, a man named Matthew. And I dare say Matthew sees this calling in a little different way. Matthew interprets this calling as a gift. And I'm not the only one who sees it that way. In fact, you might remember several years ago, there was a, a little mini-series on the History Channel called The Bible. And the directors, Mark Burnett and Roma Downey, chose to, to include the calling of Matthew in that mini-series. When they were showing the, the episodes about Jesus, they included this little episode of the call of Matthew. And within that, they wove together this call of Matthew with the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. So I want you to watch that clip now and see if you can see the difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector in this episode. Uh, 
Stinking vermin. You should keep your distance from Two men. Went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee. And the other one. A tax collector. The Pharisee prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, thieves, adulterers, or this tax collector. But the tax collector didn't even look up to heaven. He said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God bless the tax collector, not the Pharisee. Anyone who praises himself for be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be praised. Matthew, come. to follow him. One has to wonder of the sins committed by his other followers. Could you see the difference? Could you see the difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector? Could you see what it meant to Matthew to be called? Matthew didn't see that calling from Jesus as a sacrifice. He didn't see it as an obligation. He saw it as an opportunity. He saw it as a gift. It was a gift of mercy from God. You see, I've always imagined Matthew as a fairly lonely person, a tax collector, a sinner who was despised and rejected by all those people around him. Someone who had all the money in the world that he could possibly imagine, but really didn't have any friends, any place that he belonged, a place to call home. And yet here, out of nowhere, Jesus Christ calls him by name and says, you are mine, come and follow me. He calls him away from this life of self-service and calls him to a new life, a more fulfilling life, a deep and meaningful life of service to others. I wonder what 
how our lives would be different if we saw our calling that way. Not like those Pharisees who see our calling as a, as a calling to sacrifice, an obligation, but as a gift. A gift of mercy. A chance to live a different life. To be who God wants us to be instead of just serving ourselves. You might remember several years ago, I told you about a really special book, one of my favorite books called A Same Kind of Different as Me. It's a really great book. I hope you've had the chance to read it by now. It's about two men, Ron Hall and Denver Moore. Ron Hall and Denver Moore came from opposite ends of the world, really. They grew up in two different worlds, two different lifestyles, but their lives crashed together because of one incredible woman named Deborah. Ron was a very wealthy man. He was a, an art dealer who had millions of dollars and uh, lived on a 300-acre farm outside of Fort Worth, Texas. He was married to Debbie and seemed to have everything in the world that he could possibly imagine, but for some reason he was still empty inside, empty enough to go and, and cheat on his wife, commit adultery uh, against Deborah. At the same time, there was another man, a man named Denver Moore, who had grown up as a sharecropper, who had faced crime, faced time because of crimes he had committed. He had had a, a harsh life, a difficult life, and was now homeless on the streets of Fort Worth. He was a very hard man, a difficult man, and these two men seemed to have nothing in common. But Deborah came to that homeless shelter one day where Denver Moore was working and decided to dedicate her life to service to others. And one day she convinced her husband Ron to come with her. And through time she convinced Ron to try to build a relationship with Denver. Of course, at first, Ron was fearful. He didn't know who Denver was. Denver might try to hurt him. He thought all of this was just, you know, just playing at trying to, to make ourselves feel good about the problems of the world. But Deborah had something else in mind. These two men who came from opposite ends of the spectrum built this relationship together, built this life together where now they found themselves called called to share with others about Jesus Christ and called to help others in need. Others who didn't have what Ron had and didn't have the, the experience that Denver Moore had. So these two men began to work together and help each other and they both realized it was all because this one woman saw something in each of them that they couldn't see themselves. God calls us in the same way. God looks at us and wants to offer us this gift of mercy because God sees something within us that maybe we can't see on our own. But this calling is a gift, a chance to be something new, a chance to live a life that's more meaningful than we ever imagined it could be. That's what happened to Ron and to Denver Soon when, when Debbie got cancer and she passed away, these two men had each other and they decided that they couldn't let what Debbie started end with her death. And so they continued to carry on spreading the good news of the gospel, writing books like these to share with others what it meant to be called together as partners and what it meant to be called as servants of those people in need. My question for you that I want to leave with you today is how would our lives be different? What would it take for us to see our calling from Jesus Christ just like that calling from Matthew 
not to see it as an obligation or see it as some way that we pay back God for what God has done, but to see it as a gift. To see it as a gift for each of us. A gift to change our lives, to make our lives deeper and more meaningful than we could ever make on our own. As Denver Moore said, God calls us to love others not just for the sake of others, but for the sake of ourselves. Because that's truly what God's calling is. It's an opportunity. An opportunity to change our lives so that we can, in turn, change the lives of others. I have a dear friend from Atlanta who explained it to me very simply. She was a, a chaplain at a hospice, uh, in, a hospice chaplain in Atlanta. And people ask her all the time, how in the world can you do what you do? How in the world can you sit by these people who are dying every day? How in the world can you work with these people in despair? Work with these people who will never be healed? And her answer, I serve other people because it heals me. That's what God does when God calls us. God's calling us to serve others because God knows that it will heal us. It'll make us better people. It will make our lives here on this earth more meaningful, more purposeful. And it will give us hope that we can go out into the world and help those people in need. Make no mistake, there are people around us that are in need and it takes sacrifices from us to help those who are in need. But every time we are called by God, it's a gift. God calls us by name and says, you are mine. You're the one that I love. And I want to call you home. That's a gift that we all need every single day. So let us give thanks to God for this gift that we truly need. Amen.